to the seminar series at the uh, Yale Initiative for the Interdisciplinary Study of Anti-Semitism. My name is Charles Small, and I'm the director of the initiative. And today we have a, a very special event. We're very honored to have Professor Michel Veviorca. Uh, professor Veviorca is a professor at École des Hautes Études et Sciences Sociales in Paris, and he's been there since 1989. He's also the director for the Center of Sociological Analysis and intervention, and he's been there since the 93. Um, he's also currently the president of the International Sociological Association. Um, during the past several decades, he's done important research on issues of social movements, terrorism, racism, looking at post-communist societies, uh, looking at issues of cultural diversity and difference and notions of multiculturalism, as well as working on issues of violence. He's published more than 30 books, including 12 edited volumes, such as La Difference, The Arena of Racism, which is a very important book in the field that I was involved in, The Making of Terrorism, as well as many um, articles in leading journals. Recently, he published a book, uh, the English title, which it was just released by Brill uh, a few months ago. It's called The Lure of Antisemitism which is published in 2007, and that was from the French edition of 2005. He also wrote in the 1980s, I think in 1984, about issues of uh, Poland, solidarity, and the Jews, which also touched on issues of, of anti-Semitism. So it's really, I'm really grateful for your, uh, to agree to come here, and we're looking forward to your talk. Today's lecture is entitled, Why is it so difficult to research anti-Semitism? Professor Leo. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. And I would, I would like to say for inviting me to meet so many friends, because in this room I'm meeting a lot of, uh, of good friends. Uh, I would just say a, a special word uh, about my colleague and friend, Farhad Kosrokavar, because he has been part of this team that have been working on anti-Semitism in France. So I am guilty of everything that I'm going to say, but if there is a real problem, you can talk with him, uh, he's uh, invited here as a professor. Uh, so, uh, I would like to summarize this, uh, this conference by just one sentence. If you don't want problems, if you, if you want to avoid a great number of difficulties as a social scientist, never work on anti-Semitism. <laughs> this would be my uh, a piece of advice. So this is my way to, sum to summarize what I'm going to say uh, tonight. But the title is a little bit more uh, elegant. Why is it so difficult to research anti-Semitism? And what I'm going to say comes from my experience as a researcher making fieldwork in France and publishing a book with some friends and colleagues, as I said. And uh, so, of course, I cannot generalize. I don't know if in other countries the difficulties would be the same, maybe they would be bigger, but I can tell you that in France it has been a very, very difficult experience. Of course, research in social science is never easy. For the researcher, it always, oh, excuse me, of course, this is, oh, that's, oh, okay, it should be out of, so, there are always, always difficulties for the researcher, theoretical, practical difficulties, tensions 
with other people, tensions with oneself, tensions that are related with the object of research. But these difficulties, these tensions, this is what I'm going to try and present for you, these tensions are particularly acute for those who wish to study present-day antisemitism. People often speak of the uniqueness of the Shoah, and people in France also consider their country, France, as an exceptional case. I can assert that in my trajectory as a researcher, I have never encountered a domain more unique or more exceptional than that constituted by antisemitism. My first point will be terminology, the, word, the words that we use. I could speak about the word Jewish or Jews, Jewish identity, but this is not what is at stake. I will just start with the word antisemitism or antisemite. This word antisemite I have appeared before antisemitism. Antisemite apparently appeared for the first time in 1860 in relation to an astronaut who was a French philologue, philosopher and so on, who was criticized by another specialist, Maurice Steinschneider, excuse my accent, Renov was criticized for his anti-Semitic prejudices. This was in 1860. And the word anti-Semitism was coined, this is at least what is usually said, by a German propagandist, Wilhelm Marr, in 1879, so 20 years after. And what is much more interesting is that the word anti-Semitism was very, very rapidly adopted at European and at world level in a very, very limited number of years, which means that people were waiting for this word. This word was new and immediately successful. At that time, the late uh, 19th century, it was a period when scientific racism was flourishing. And so the word anti-Semitism was defining the Jews as a race, a Semitic race, with presumed physical and biological characteristics which were the basis for moral or intellectual attributes and for their malignity as the Jews. So, if we want to be precise, anti-Semitism, if we want to give the term its strictly meaning, racializes the Jews. And consequently, anti-Semitism refers to hatred or to prejudices that concern Jews as long as they are defined in biological, naturalizing or racializing words. Anything else in relation to the Jews should be described by another term than anti-Semitic or anti-Semitism. I can formulate this question in more historical terms before and after this historical moment, this historical period during which the Jews were considered as a race, should we not have recourse to another terminology? Before the advent of modern times, any mention of the Jews, hated and despised since antiquity, referred us mainly to a religion. They constitute a people, they constitute a nation, and it is preferable not to use the word anti-Semitism or anti-Semitic and to use the word anti-Judaism. 
even if before this period of the late uh, 19th centuries, elements of anti-Semitism, of racialization, could exist in Europe, for instance. As most of you know, for instance, in Spain and in Portugal, when Jews were expelled after 1492, the political power decided to create the so-called um, statutes of cleansing of the blood. I don't know exactly the English word, cleansing of the blood. That is to say, people were supposed to be Jews because of their blood. This means that even if these people say, we are no longer Jews, we are now Catholic, some people say, no, no, you still are Jews because of your blood, which is race. So before the end of the 19th century, you could have this image of Jews belonging to a race. And there are some debate among some specialists to know when should we date the moment when Christian anti-Judaism, which itself was preceded by maybe antique anti-Judaism, so when this anti-Judaism became anti-Semitism. <clears throat> this is a very important question, not only for historical past, but at least today in a country such as France for today, for, for this country today, because today in my country and in most countries, Jews are not really now treated as a race by anti-Semitic people, by people that have uh, hatred for them. And due to a certain number of elements, due to the birth and the history of the State of Israel, due to the place of the Jews in some societies, due to the way um, um, the historical drama, which we call now the Shoah, is sometimes treated, due to many uh, elements, anti-Semitism that uh, exists is no longer so much connected with race, but much more with other accusations or other issues. Let me be more precise. I come from a country, France, where a certain number of people, for instance, young migrants uh, coming from the Arab or the Muslim world, will make violent, hostile remarks about the Jews, will accuse them to, uh, um, to have succeeded in the French society and not to let other groups succeed in the French society. Some people also, among these young boys and more boys and girls from migrant origin, migrant, uh, yes, from migrant origin, some people will also uh, accuse uh, the Jews to be uh, the incarnation, the expression of West in the clash of civilization, where they should they consider themselves as representing Islam and so on. So for this reasons that the fact that new accusations, new uh, tensions, new prejudice, new discourses of hatred appear which are not directly connected to the idea of race and which are sometimes connected with Islam, not necessarily as you will see, a certain number of people think we should not choose anymore the word of anti-Semitism. It is not a good, the right word. And we had a lot of debate, debate in France, starting in the late 90s, with a very important uh, philosophers such as Pierre-André Taguiev, maybe you know uh, his name, that say we should use another vocabulary. For instance, we should say new anti-Judaism, or we should say 
which is the word that Tagiev wants us to, uh, to use, we should speak of Judeophobia. The problem with Judeophobia, personally, is, from, from my point of view, is that it includes the idea of phobia. And the idea of phobia means a kind of pathology. And I think that social scientists should not pathologize, should not pathologize the group or the people they are dealing with, even if they consider them uh, with a very negative, uh, in a very negative perspective. It's medical, it's psychological pathology, uh, phobia. This is why this is not a very right word. It is not only a theoretical or a, uh, an abstract discussion, because when people say that there is a new Judeophobia, like Tagiev, it means clearly the problem today comes from, not from the classical old antisemitism, the one that was developing since the end of the 19th century, the problem comes from the migrants, from the Arabs, from the Muslims, or from some of them. That is to say, when people use the word Judeophobia, it means what is at stake is, to be more precise, two elements. On the one hand, the hatred coming from these migrants, and on the other side, the hatred towards Jews coming from some extreme left people that hate Israel, that consider that all Jews support Israel, and that consider that they must hate all Jews in the world. I don't know if the starting point is Israel, or if the starting point is hatred towards Jews. Maybe it's not so easy to, to know. And the people that I know we should much more use, still use the word anti-Semitism, they refer much more, because a lot of people refer, use this word, they refer much more to the idea of a classical anti-Semitism, a classical hatred, that is to say, in my country, much more extreme right, or some Catholic uh, group that did not admit that the Council Vatican number two in the mid-60s who decided that Jews should not be criticized by the Catholic Church anymore. So some Catholics don't accept this. So you have in my country some people, let's say, extreme right and old right that will be anti-Semitic in a classical way. So the fact that you use one word or another one means that you are insisting on some dimension or on other dimension. And it is not so easy to make a choice. But let us see why the difficulty could be increased. It could be increased because we have to discuss another question which is connected with this one, which is the following one. Should we consider that anti-Semitism, I will use this word, maybe it's not a good one, but this is the one I will use. Should we consider that anti-Semitism is one kind of racism among others, or that it is a unique issue that has nothing to do in a general uh, analysis of racism. Is it part of racism or is it different? This is also a very difficult issue, or at least not so an easy issue. Why? Because if you are a sociologist and if you want to decide which are the analytical tools that are useful in order to deal with anti-Semitism, the analytical tools can be exactly the same, this is my experience, than the one you will use to study racism. 
I can be more precise, but if you want after that. But on the other hand, if you are not a sociologist, but if you are much, much more an historian, you will say something like, there is no group in the history of mankind which with such a continuity during 2,500 years has been victim, like the Jews, of permanent hatred and prejudice. So it's the only case. So there is such an historical continuity, 2,500 years, that you must consider that it is unique, that it is totally different from any kind of other historical phenomenon. So, if like me, you like sociology and you like history, if you don't want to, to, uh, to consider that these are two totally distinctive areas for social science, what will you do? Will you adopt a sociological perspective and say it's a kind of racism? Or will you adopt a more historical perspective and say, no, it's different, it's, uh, it's unique. So, as you see, things are not very easy. And last but not least, in the French political debate, excuse me if I insist on the specificity of France, but in the French, there is another element that makes the choice of the words very difficult. In some cases, people will say, okay, there is a word, anti-Semitism, for the Jews. But we, black people, we, uh, uh, people uh, from uh, Arab origin, we people from Turkish origin, or whatever, we people who are different and who suffer from racism a lot, there is not a word for us, for the racism that we are facing. Which means the Jews, even when they are victims, have a different tra treatment. They, there is a specific vocabulary for the Jews. This is not fair, we'll say some people. We need also a specific vocabulary, and if we are not given a specific vocabulary, at least we should not use the specific vocabulary for the Jews. So, you understand, and Farad could tell you a lot because he has been interviewing a lot of Muslims, sometimes using anti-Semitic uh, words, in jails, and not only. It is really a, not only a question of words, but before doing any work on Jews and anti-Semitism, you must know that you are entering in a world of words where it is not so easy or so obvious to make choices. So this was my first point. I finally decided to use antisemitism. If you want, we can discuss my choice. Because I, but I am totally enthusiastic because I really think that today, at least in France, the, the purely r racial dimension of hatred and prejudice are not so strong. The other elements are stronger. But we can discuss this. My second point is that when we discuss this issue of anti-Semitism and that when we want to make some research, then a lot of methodological questions arise. How should we study anti-Semitism as social scientists? In my country, it's very easy to look at the panorama and to distinguish a certain number of possibilities. Some people say it's very easy. There are a certain number of facts. And empirical research is not so difficult because there are a certain number of data, empirical data. In France, data has been collected recently, 
at the, during the late 90s and at the beginning of this century, first of all, by some Jewish organizations asking to Jewish communities everywhere in the country, as soon as there is a, an attack, uh, violence, and so on, please send us information, we centralize, and we publish every month or regularly, we publish some data. And more recently, not only organizations, but also the, uh, the Ministry of Justice and the Ministry of Interior, the, um, of Police, if you want, they decided also to, pub to, uh, to collect data. And what is recent and very interesting is that they work together, Jewish organizations and the police and the justice, today in France, work together, that is to say they have regular meetings every two weeks or every month, in order to give statistics, data on which they agree. Because before that time, the data coming from the Jewish organizations were higher than the data coming from the police and the, and the justice. So which kind of data do we have? We have data about attacks against people, individuals, attacks against their properties, attacks, uh, some, sometimes also death threats, a lot of them. We have also stones that are, that are uh, thrown. There are also attacks towards institutions, Jewish schools, synagogues, uh, cemeteries, a lot of profanations of uh, tombs. So this is what we could call um, violence towards Jews. And here we have a great number of elements. But it is essential to be very cautious with this kind of data for many reasons. I know that this is a very French debate. In other countries, people trust much more statistics than in France. But in France, we have to be very careful. For, first of all, victims may not come forward. They may be frightened to go to the police or to go to any Jewish uh, organization. Or there can be some shame, first of all. Then, the way the police and the legal system are mobilized is also important. It can influence the figure. Uh, in my country, the statistics, this kind of statistics, often tell us much more about the activities of the police and the justice than about the facts themselves. If you say to the police, you must absolutely bring important everyday data about uh, anti-Semitism and so on, they will bring data. If there is no pressure, they will not bring data. So you don't know if the data means more or less events or more or less work by the police, the legal system, and so on. But this is not the only problem. The problem is also the, the qualification of acts. It is not because a Jew is victim of an attack that this attack is necessarily anti-Semitic. We had a lot of cases where people say, I have been victim of an anti-Semitic attack. The attack was not anti-Semitic. It was just robbery or a classical delinquency or a crime. Uh, sometimes you have a common law offense, sometimes you just have a family quarrel, a situation uh, at work, and, and have many things like that. And then there is another dimension in this problem, in, this, uh, in the data, which is, <coughs> which is the fact that if you collect data in France, you must collect data and say who is victim. But if you say who is victim, you must say the name of the people. And if you give the name of the people, then there will be fights with the name of Jewish people. And in France, since the Second World War, 
it is a very sensitive issue. No file with Jews, names. No files. People don't accept the idea of files. So how can you trust data when you know, for instance, that the Ministry of Justice is very careful not to be accused of having fights about with the Jew, Jewish names. So there is a lot of problem, and and uh, and there are also another aspect which I was going to forget, which is interpretation of the data. If a young migrant from uh, uh, the Arab from Arab origin uh, has attempted to set fire to a synagogue. What does it mean? Is he an Islamist? Is he a rootless person with no real cultural or religious attachments? I remember, but I have been working on many cases. I had some files. I remember for a, ca a case, three young boys from uh, Maghreb in origin who were drinking beer on the roof of a building. And after being drinking, they were sending some bottles just like that. But unfortunately for them, there was a synagogue just next door. So, people said, ah, anti-Semitic attacked. No, they were, they were drinking beer and, which was, and, and sending the bottles just like that. So, other problem, a lot of attack and violences of this case, we don't know exactly the truth. Most of the cases are not uh, solved by the justice. It's a very limited number of cases which really go to the justice and win. For instance, we have a lot of profanation of Jewish cemeteries, Jewish tombs. Most of the cases are not elucidated or it takes months and months before uh, they are. So for many reasons, we have to be very careful with this kind of element, this kind of data. The only thing I can say is that it is true that at the very beginning of this century, there have been a rise in all these violences. And that this rise was connected with the beginning of the second intifada in uh, Jerusalem. This is clear. This is clear. So what else can we do? A certain number of researchers say, well, we are not going to deal with facts, attacks, and so on. We are going to deal with prejudice and opinions. And as you can imagine, there are a lot of polls in which questions are made in order to know if people have or not anti-Semitic prejudice. Questions such as, uh, do you, would you agree with this proposal? And the proposal is, there are too many uh, Jews uh, at the level of power, or this kind of questions. So what is very important is the result. The result is, there is not so much more anti-Semitism than in the past, but there is a lot of anti-Semitism among extreme right, Catholic that don't accept Vatican number two, uh, uh, old uh, Gaullist people, a certain categories which are classically anti-Semitic or more than other categories in this country. So, and what is new, maybe the only thing, this is a, the result of reading a lot of things about these polls, there is, what is maybe new is the fact that people express more directly their opinions than in the past. And this is maybe connected with the way um, that the Front National, the National Front, has been uh, de-tabooizing, de if I can say it like that, anti-Semitism in France. So more people in, that in the past express their opinion, but they are not 
that does not, it does not mean that there are more anti-Semitic uh, opinions on that side. Okay, but let us look more carefully to these spots. Usually, usually they are made with a sample of the population, of the French population, and of the people that are at least 18 years old. You don't ask questions to the 16 or to the 16. So if you are foreign migrant, no, not French, and young, you will not appear in these spots. So it is very easy to understand that if you deal on, if you trust only this kind of data, you will not have any idea of what is at stake among certain groups within the young people, within the migrant, uh, uh, some migrants group. So for these reasons, of course, it's always interesting to read this kind of poll, but it is not very useful. And also there is another aspect, which is more theoretical, which is the fact that it, you don't know how people pass from opinions, prejudice, stereotypes, and so on, to acts. You don't know. It's a very classical question. How, who are the people that really act, and how do you pass from opinion? There is a very old, um, I like very much this story, because it, it's a very clear story, there is a, in the 30s, it's a very old story, in the 30s there was a psychologist, an American psychologist, the name was Lapierre, who went with a couple of Chinese friends uh, all around America. And every time he stopped in a hotel or in a restaurant, he took the address. He, had never, he never had any problem with this couple of Chinese friends when he was traveling. So he, got back, he, he went back home and he wrote a letter to all these hotels and restaurants. And he said, for scientific reasons, I am making some surveys. I would like to know, would you uh, accept in your hotel or in your restaurant Chinese people, foreign people? And the answer was no. 90% of the people said, no, we would not accept. Chinese people in our restaurant. It's very interesting. There is a huge distance between what the people do in the reality and what, we, what people express as prejudice or opinion. So, this is just one example to tell you, and this is another aspect of the problem, you don't know what is the relationship between opinions and, and facts. A third way to deal with anti-Semitism, and it's a more classical one, I think, and a more important one, it's to look at anti-Semitic discourses, texts that circulate, to study their content, their mode of circulation, who are the authors, and so on. You can also study images and sounds, and with the globalization today, for instance in France, people have dishes in their houses. If you go in any popular, in any popular uh, suburb, with very poor people and a lot of migrants, you will be surprised to see how many dishes they are. They are connected with the Middle East, with the whole world, through these uh, dishes. So there is an intense circulation of discourses and images, including discourses and images of hatred. And this is very important, and this makes anti-Semitism a global phenomenon. So, you can work on this and you will, you will meet a lot, a lot of awful things. I have been, for this research, I have been reading what was arriving to France through discourses, images and so on. What is fascinating is that 
uh, a lot of things are coming and there is a kind of uh, we were discussing with Jeffrey Alexander and, and, and Charles uh, a little bit earlier uh, of David Harvey saying that globalization means double compression of space and time and, and yes space and time it is a very good example with globalization you will have anti-Semitic discourses that mix in a very unbelievable way very old Christian anti-Judaism elements the, some Russian uh, so-called protocol I don't know how to say it in English protocol of the elderly Zion, Zion people uh, some Nazis elements and some more recent elements such as accusation of Shoah business that is to say the Jews are making profit of the Shoah or uh, everything everything is there without any problem of contradiction if even if it is totally uh, contradictory so of course you can do that but it will not you can work on these documents and you will demonstrate that there is a discourse a general anti-semitic discourse that exists but this of course is interesting and important but it does not let us really evaluate the importance of the phenomenon. You don't know how many people receive this text. You don't know how many people do something with this text. You don't know if it is important in their life or if it is not important in their life and, and so on. So, if you take this into account, then you may will uh, have to consider that the best is to make fieldwork and to try by yourself as a sociologist to, to make fieldwork to know what is really uh, at stake when we say anti-Semitism. But then there are other obstacles. A first obstacle is the fact that in a, a country such as France, and this is a good thing, of course, which is a democracy, in this country it is forbidden to express anti-Semitic opinions. It is forbidden. If you express anti-Semitic hatred, or any other kind of other ethnical or religious hatred, you can have big problems with justice. As you know, Jean-Paul Sartre coined a very famous sentence when he said that uh, before the war, the, the Second World War, anti-Semitism was an opinion, after it is a crime. And it is true that it is a crime, it is a taboo. This means that when you make interviews with people, they will not express directly spontaneously their anti-Semitic opinions unless they belong to very low educated sectors and they don't and, and don't realize that what they are saying could lead them to jail or to, any, to, to some problem. So when you are in face of such a problem, what do you do as a researcher? You cannot behave as a normal researcher that say to the people, I want to understand better why you like money, or why you vote left, or why you vote right, or why you prefer big cars or small cars or whatever. No, you cannot ask direct questions. So you cannot be in a, in a clean relationship with the people you are interviewing, or with the people you are observing. Everything that you are going to do will be a kind of treason towards these people if they appear to be a little bit or more than a little bit anti-Semitic. This is to say, I hope I am clear, that the relationship between the researcher and the people that he or she wants to study 
is not a, a, a clean and clear relationship. It's a, a more or less perverse relationship because you cannot say directly, for instance, if I am working on, uh, as I did in the past, on the working class movement, I visit workers and I ask them questions, telling them that I have an interest in the working class movement. No problem. I cannot visit anybody and tell to this person, I have an interest in anti-Semitism, please tell me how much you hate Jews. It is not possible. So it, it is very difficult. And, and then it creates a tendency to, to interpret to, to, and to denounce much more than really to analyze what people say. Because as people know that they cannot say what they really think, but you don't know if what they really think, so you will use some uh, uh, ways of thinking that are made of uh, interpretation, not really analysis of, of what is uh, at stake. To say it differently, making feedback on anti-Semitism means disguise, you are disguising yourself more or less always, and will pose moral, ethical, and, uh, and deontological problems, I think, to the, for the sort of sociologists. I know some sociologists that use very strange methods, that exaggerate. That, for instance, I want to study anti-Semitism, I will visit a group of people that maybe are anti-Semitic, and I will tell them, oh, Jews are awful people, they should disappear, we should reopen the gas chambers. You're just speaking like if the researcher himself or herself were anti-Semitic. I know people that do this kind of thing, but I cannot, and I, I suppose that most of us here, we, we, we could not do um, this. But also, it is also very difficult to be in a kind of neutral position. What do you do when you are a researcher, when you create a relationship that enables you to hear what people say, and when people start to tell you awful things? Because when somebody tells you awful things, knowing that you are a sociologist, a social scientist, and it means I say that because I would like you to think like I think. You cannot accept this. So it, this, this is also an, an aspect. I remember in another research, but because it's a strong example, I was researching on anti-Maghrebin racism in the late 80s, early 90s. I remember one day somebody who said, just like that, we should reopen the gas chambers. So, of course, for a researcher, it's difficult. So he, a man understands that. He was saying something awful. I said, not for the Jews, for the Arabs. You know. So, but what do you do in such a situation? If you don't say anything, if you say something, if you, it's very, very, um, uh, it's very, very uh, difficult. So here we have a lot of problems. So the methodology is the relationship with the object is not so easy. This, is, this was my second main point. And my last and third point is to try and see how anti-Semitism is produced in a country such as France, and to see which problems come when you demonstrate how anti-Semitism is produced. To be <coughs> very brief, when I was launching this research, 
it was clear that there was a certain number of big issues that had to be tested, some big hypotheses that had to be tested. The first one was the idea that antisemitism, there is a renewal of antisemitism due to the presence of migrants from coming from Arab or Muslim countries. So this was a very strong hypothesis and it was not difficult to to go and visit some groups of some people living in situations where you had the chance to hear anti-Semitic words. A second hypothesis is that there are some extreme left groups that hate Israel, that hate imperialism, that hate America or the Americans, and from and that will develop anti-Semitic uh, discourses, opinions, prejudices, starting from this. And the third hypothesis could be, isn't there a junction of the two? Islamism, radical Islamism, and left anti-neoliberal leftism, to speak very briefly. So, this is what uh, a French intellectual, Alain Finkel, called, calls Islamo-progressism. Islamo means Islam, and progressism in his vocabulary means uh, left, left, uh, left wing. So, this was a kind of three first hypothesis. And, this, and then there are other hypotheses that you could do or you can do, which are that there are also forms of classical antisemitism that don't disappear and that you may find maybe more in some situations than in, in, uh, in other uh, situations. So, I've been doing this, I've been working, and the, research, the results of the research are that it is true that radical Islam leads, or, or, uh, leads to anti-Semitism, or, or that there is a part of anti-Semitism in radical Islam. This is absolutely sure. It is also true that some elements in the extreme left, but not so many, not so much, could be vectors or factors of a certain kind of leftist anti-Semitism. It is true. It is also true that you have a, a deep, strong, old classical anti-Semitism. We, we met it in Alsace, for instance. Uh, it, this, was, uh, this was clear. So, after that, maybe some other questions before pu publishing the results had to be, uh, had to be raised. One question was, it's a taboo. Nobody should never ask this kind of question. Of course, you cannot blame the victims. You cannot blame the Jews, who are victims of anti-Semitism. But you can ask the question and try to see, is the way French Jews, or Jews in the world, or Israelis behave, is the, is the way that Jews behave in the world or in this country an element that could have its part of explanation in the transformation of antisemitism? It's a very shocking question. But it's a question that you have to raise. Because, because the way Jews speak, the way the Jews are transforming in, in, in their lives, the way the State of Israel is behaving and so on, can be a, an element in the way people make their opinions on Jews. So for this 
to, to deal with this issue, it is also possible to, it was also possible to make some field work. And what we decided to do was to go in a city in France, so those are among you that know France will understand very quickly, with, the name is Sarcelles. It's a city where you have a lot of Jews that live in a very communitarian uh, way and that have access to the local political power very quickly. You know the name of Dominique Strauss-Kahn, who is one of the French socialist leaders. So he has been the mayor of this city. So, so we went to this city just to test the idea that the way Jews behave can exert a certain influence on the transformations of antisemitism. Well, I don't have time to present other hypotheses and other aspects of this research, but what is important, and this leads me to, the, to my point, is that when you publish results about this, then problems, new problems start, because nobody is happy with you. Nobody is happy with you. When the book was published in French, on the first day when it was the, the book was published, on the very first day in the morning, the, the, there was a, a great uh, journal, a great newspaper, Libération, the left, the, the, the newspaper that the left people used to read, made uh, two pages about this book, so the results of this book, and, and including a small interview. And in the small interview with me, I was I said something like, if the French uh, leader of the Jewish organization, which is called CRIF, Conseil Représentatif des Institutions Juives de France, the kind of uh, the, the Jewish uh, official uh, organization, if this man, if the president of, were not always supporting the government in Israel, whatever are the facts, maybe some people could not as easily consider that the Jews in diaspora and the Jews in Israel is the same, and that it's the same that the politics at that time, uh, it was Ariel Sharon who was the, the, the prime minister in Israel. I said that. And I arrived at my office, you know, it's very happy with my, my newspaper under my arm, and the telephone, it was nine o'clock, the telephone was ringing. It was the president of the CRIF who started with a very rude voice to say that he did not agree with me, that my, this paper was a shame, that my book was a shame, and so on. And then I started to have problems with the official Jewish institutions in my country. But it was not the big, it was just the beginning. Then I discussed with him, I saw him, and so on. So I had a lot of problems with this group, let us say it like. Then some intellectuals were, uh, could not accept that a sociologist write about antisemitism. This should be for other intellectuals. So immediately, two or three days after, there was a big article in the same uh, newspaper, Liberation, by a psychoanalyst, maybe you know his name, Daniel Siboni, to say that sociologists cannot understand anything, but because the real explanation, it's only a psychoanalyst that can provide it. But then other problems came. In this book, uh, I, I am uh, also explaining uh, a certain number of things related to uh, uh, young boys uh, from uh, migrant back, uh, from migrant origin, as I say. I had big problems with some uh, anti-racist organization, because you should not say these kind of things. Or if you say that, it means that you are a racist. So I had problem on, on the extreme left. Then, uh, you tell me when you want me to stop, because it's a non-stop story. 
then I received, I had problems also with uh, a very important university, Langzhou, uh, that is to say, the, the university where you learn uh, 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 Oriental languages, because in the book we were saying some things about what is happening in this university, which was true, almost true. So they said, if you are what you what you have written about us, we are going to justice because this is not fair. You cannot say that. And so I wanted to know exactly what happened. So I telephoned and so on. And I understood that in reality, some professors in this institution wanted to uh, create problems to the to the president of this institution and took my book as a as a, as a uh, an instrument to create problem to the to the president of their institution because this president does not do a serious job and is not watching seriously what he said about his institution. So my book was used also for a domestic problems within an institution, but of course domestic problems related with Israel, the Middle East, and so on. Because in this institution there is a lot of people working uh, uh, on the Palestinian issue and so on. Then I had problems with La Ligue des Droits de l'Homme. It's, uh, it it, it's the Ligue des Droits de l'Homme, is the League for Human Rights, which was created at the moment of the Dreyfus Affair, which is a very powerful, and with good people, uh, a very powerful institution. And in my book, in this book, there are two or three pages because there was an affair, oh, it's complex to explain, but there was an affair in a school, and there was the League, uh, where a young boy had been, a young Jewish boy had been badly treated by other children, and the administration did not do the job, and so on, and it became uh, a media story, and and then the League des Droits de l'Homme decided to make a report, and I speak of all this affair, and I I say a few words about this report, which is a very strange report. You know, this organization was supposed to report on an anti-Semitic an anti problem, a precise one. And the report is something like, I simplify, oh yes, it is true a young boy has been badly treated by uh, three or four boys from Morocco or something like that. But the way the problem has been treated by the institution is very bad because the institution has been treating these Moroccan boys in a racist way. And so the report insists on the racism within the institution. And there is a moment when you forget that the report is supposed to deal with anti-Semitism. So I had a problem with these people because they said, because I was explaining what I am explaining to you. And I had a problem, and this means that from the point of view of la Ligue des droits de l'homme, speaking only of anti-Semitism, it's to create a kind of disequilibrium and that they should create a new equilibrium so that we deal also with other kinds of racism, even in that way. So, I, sp I spent three or four months, April, uh, May, June, and then came holidays, and this was finished, and was, I was very happy not to have to, to intervene because a lot of other things uh, happened. So, wh why do I say that? It's not to to give anecdotes about my story, is to tell you that on these problems of anti-Semitism, the public sphere is full of actors, intellectuals, organizations, Jewish organizations, anti-racist organizations, political actors, uh, institutions, universities. There is a lot about university, which is said in... So, 
you have a lot of actors and you have a lot of patients. You cannot have a, <coughs> a moderate, a moderate uh, discourse connected with <coughs> your feedback. You cannot, because people don't don't want to listen to you. They want to <coughs> to listen something else than what you are saying. So, <coughs> so many groups, so many actors, no one really is supporting you. <coughs> and for this reason, I consider that it is not only very difficult to research on anti-Semitism, as I told you, but that also it is very difficult to publish on anti-Semitism uh, and to have normal discussions. But I hope that we can have now a a normal discussion about this kind of uh, problems. Thank you. Thank you. We, have, we have time for, for questions and discussions. So I'm going to lead it off. You spoke about many issues, but one of the things that we mentioned in passing, I don't know if it's a fair question, is this sort of the notion of blaming the victim and the role of uh, Israeli policies in Israeli society, and whether that exacerbates or even causes anti-Semitism. So, so my question is this, when, when Tenement Square took place, nobody uh, went to call, nobody called for the destruction of, of the Chinese state, and nobody went to, uh, to attack Chinese people in the diaspora or to destroy cemeteries of uh, Chinese people in the world. So my, the question is why Israel and why the Israelis? And if you, from a sociological perspective, it seems at one level, it reminds me of this sort of debate between the choice constraint uh, theories of integration. In the Chicago school, there was an emphasis placed on the ethnic minorities and their integration into society. And we sort of moved away from that in sociology and we're focusing more and more, at least critical sociology, focused on, on issues of ideology and uh, what passes for ideology in the communities or even in the resistance against uh, Israelis and their occupation and that sort of thing. And I was thinking of the work of Stuart Hall and how it moved from Robert Park. And Robert Park never, never mentioned the word uh, racism uh, in all of his work and he was the expert on the Negro population of the United States. I don't think he, you know, he never used the word racism. And he never acknowledged racism in the American society. And, and going to the work of Paul and other people that are looking at ideology, rather than focus on the, on, on Israel and Israeli policies to exacerbate anti-Semitism globally, should not focus on the ideology and the social, economic, and political processes that are, are feeding into this ideology out of hatred and anti-Semitism in the name of whatever, Islam or God. One, two elements, it's a lot of things that you are saying, so I would just insist on two points. The first point is that if you visit Israel, coming from France, you are surprised by the quality of the democratic debate and of the criticism. You can criticize Israel when you live in Israel. And, and I remember in 1982, there was this movement against the war in Lebanon, Peace Now, and, and now you have a lot of people that agree or disagree with uh, policy. It's possible. So, if you are in France, as soon as you criticize Israel, you appear as anti-Semite very quickly. Not necessarily, but it's very, very difficult. Uh, I have a colleague whose name is Pascal Boniface, who, uh, who criticized Israel. And as he was at that time rather influential in the Socialist Party, what he was saying was 
important. So he had a really terrible problem. He was accused of awful feelings just because he was criticizing Israel. So then he decided to publish a book, the title of which was something like, Is it forbidden to criticize Israel? So what I wanted to, this is my first element of uh, uh, answer, what I wanted to insist on is the distance, the distance between the possibility to have a critical, not uh, hypercritical, but just to criticize some elements of the Israeli policy in Israel and not to have it in France. And this is very important for to explain, to explain how some people will say, well, listen, if the Jews in France, through their establishment, their intellectuals, if the Jews in France support everything which is done by this government, including sometimes dirty things, then it is normal that I consider that the Jews are part of the Middle East and the Israeli, the Jews in France are part of the problem. So the fact, what I want to say is that if, I will tell it now more politically, if the French Jews want to be serious, they should much more let some criticism exist towards Israel rather than defend the government of this country, whatever it's done. This is my, my opinion. Then you have another aspect in what you said, which is the relation, which is, I will say it like that, the fact that the problems are not only global, the Middle East, political, ideological, that the problems have local economic and social roots. And I fully agree with you. And this, but this is also difficult to make people understand. If I exaggerate, you can have two main positions in this debate. Some people, it was the case with, uh, at that time, the Minister of Foreign Affairs. Um, he was saying, if we don't have any more problems between Israel and uh, Palestinians, then there will be no more anti-Semitism in France. Anti-Semitism in France is only the, um, the projection on the French soil of global Middle East and so on logic. First explanation. On the other hand, if you just spend half an hour or one hour in one of these poor suburbs with a lot of migrants and so on, you understand that racism, discrimination, social exclusion and so on, it's, it's obvious, are part of the problem. And that if these people sometimes use anti-Semitic expressions, even if they never know, if, even if they never see one Jew, because it's situation, in this situation, in many cases, there are no Jews at all, it is also something that has something to do with the social and the economy. And we had some demonstration in, in our research, or what I say. I organized with, uh, in a very poor uh, neighborhood, in a very poor city, for those of that know France, Roubaix, which is a very poor city, I organized some uh, group uh, of young people. We were meeting, we had a lot of meetings in a cultural center. And sometimes uh, among this group, uh, among these young people, some of them were saying awful things about Jews. But one day I invited the mayor of the city, who is a very interesting person. And the mayor of the city went in front of the group and he started to tell, to explain them uh, all, all 
that he was trying to do in order to help them not to be too much discriminated by the police, not to have too many difficulties in finding a job. He spoke socially, I mean, and locally. And at that moment, nothing bad was anymore said about Jews within the group. And then when I asked to the group, when I said, it's interesting, you don't say anything wrong about Jews when you are discussing with the mayor of real social and economic and even also cultural local issues. They say yes, because, more or less, because he is solving our, our problems. So, I have no time to, to develop, but my idea is that when you deal with social, economic and some problems, I would not say that antisemitism disappears, but the space for antisemitism is reduced. So this, this was for your uh, second point. In your talk, you really, you really split the talk into two parts. The first part was essentially the methodological problems of the data gathering and understanding what the particular extent is of anti-Semitism in a given location, in your case, France. And the second part had to do with difficulties in reporting and the interpretation of the results. And I, I would just suggest that you could have had the first part exactly right. You still would have had the problems with the second part. And furthermore, that the second part, actually, I don't think that's unique at all to anti-Semitism. Any kind of social research you can think of, you're going to run into problems like that. If you're talking about drug injectors, if you're talking about health policy, if you're talking about just about anything like that. Some people will try to spin what you're saying to suit their own uh, goals. So I actually want to leave that part and come back to the first part. Uh, and, and here I actually would, would disagree with you in the sense that there's a difference between saying, can I exactly characterize in a phenomenological way what the extent of anti-Semitism is in the location? Do I really want to know exactly how many people, what fraction of the population is anti-Semitic? Versus, am I interested in trying to see certain trends or understand certain relationships that involve anti-Semitism. So just to, to give an example, and since you already brought up this issue of criticism of Israel, I'll, I'll, this, this is actually a study that I was involved with, Charles was involved with too. Um, you can go to several different countries around Europe and ask people questions uh, of the form, do you think that Jews cheat in business? Do Jews have too much power in the government? Do Jews care only about themselves? And so forth you will get different fractions of people responding yes, no, in between the questions like that. You can also ask questions like, do you believe that Israel is responsible for the majority of the violence in the Middle East crisis? Do you believe that suicide bombings are a legitimate form of defense? Do you believe that Israel is an apartheid country? And what you discover is that even though you will have different frequencies of people responding yes, no, in between those questions, if you say, gee, among people who say that Israel is not an apartheid state versus people who say Israel is an apartheid state, lo and behold, you discover that among the people who say Israel is an apartheid state, more of them say Jews cheat in business. And that turns out to be true across all of the different countries. And I'm saying this on the basis of a survey of 5,000 people, 500 different countries, and so on. So I wouldn't claim that I can say to, a, you know, to, to, to plus or minus two percentage points what fraction of the French public is anti-Semitic or what fraction of the Belgian public is anti-Semitic. But I think there are clearly ways you can characterize anti-Semitism in these different places and, and find certain relationships. And just, just as sort of an afterthought on your, your issue of criticizing Israel or not, I think you're exactly right. In Israel, of course, there's plenty of criticism of, of Israeli government policy. But the 
question is, what's the tone of criticism? It's one thing to say, I disagree with this policy. It's another thing to say, Israel is a Nazis. And that's the sort of, uh, where, where the sort of tone of, of, of I think, uh, the debate, you cross, you cross a certain line. And it does become possible to recognize statements as being more likely to be anti-Semitic uh, than if they have to use that particular thing. Well, I will make a brief answer to your first point and a rather brief also answer to the second point. The first point, you say that uh, you have the feeling that any other important uh, issue would deal to the same problems in the public sphere. I can really tell you that my experience and what I have seen all around me is that it is not like other issues. I have been working on terrorism, I have been working on racism, I have been working on social movement, I, I've been, and I know people working on many, many different issues. I can tell you that you touch something different. You touch something which is full of patience, full of emotions, full of drama, full of many, many things that are not shared by so many actors and elements in the population than when you touch as, as Jews and anti-Semitism. There is something special. This is my experience. Uh, I, I, I knew, I knew because I am not naive, I knew that it was difficult and that uh, I would have to discuss with some people. I did not imagine that during three months I was going to, 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 to be uh, obliged either to, to disappear or to answer to a great many attack or crit strong criticism coming from various places. And in many cases, uh, um, attacks coming from people that really wanted to, to, to touch my integrity. To, 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 it was not only intellectual debate, it was all political debate. There was something much more, much more, which was not the case with other researchers. This is my experience. And so, now for the, your main point. Your main point, my, my answer to what you said is, either you consider that anti-Semitism is more or less a unified problem. I mean, it's, there is a, a unique problem of anti-Semitism. Everything is leading to the same direction. Either you consider that, in fact, there is a kind of fragmentation of the problem, even if the target, it's always the Jews. But my image is that there is a kind of fragmentation, that the elements that make Jews being hatred today in France, or the prejudice, these elements are not going to be unified in a, in a, in a general, or cannot be unified in a general image of the, of the problem. That the classical extreme right, that the skinheads, I didn't have time to speak of everything, but that the skinheads that uh, sometimes are guilty for a profanation uh, of, of, uh, uh, of cemeteries, uh, that uh, the young Muslim, and so on and so on, all these, and, and the extreme left, and, and maybe other things, all these are not unif uh, participating in a unified process, 
even if they share a certain number of, uh, of aspects of within antisemitism. So, if you consider that there is a kind of unification, not practical but uh, uh, ideological, of the problem, then you will what you said is uh, is fair from my point of view. But my but if you consider, and this is what I think today, that there is no unity, even if it is the same target. That the and even. For instance, in France, uh, Alain Finkel quote, as I say, considers that leftism and uh, radical Islamists could meet, and we had some very, very, very limited elements that were going in this direction, but in fact it is not true. It's two different words. So, if you consider that there are different elements, this means that you, uh, yeah, that you cannot uh, uh, consider that uh, it's a unique problem. I, I'm, I'm not sure to be very clear, because you were saying many, many things, but when you were speaking about Paul's, the question that are, is the same if it is about Israel or if it is about uh, the power of the Jews, and, and, and it, it, means, it means that it's a unique problem. I, I, I tried to differentiate, and I tried also to see how the different elements will or will not meet. And, it depends what your research question is. If you're trying to explain why people are anti-Semitic or what are different styles or different strains or different types of anti-Semitism, of course there can be different routes which, which lead to uh, hatred towards Jews. Uh, but on the other hand, if, if, if the question really has to do with, you know, if someone is criticizing Israel, how can you tell whether or not they really are simply criticizing policy, or is it possible that that's simply a mask for underlying hatred towards Jews? It's a different question. Yes, but it, it, it's very important for political reasons. Let me give you an example. If you consider that uh, anti-Semitism is more or less a unified phenomenon, then you will not be able to understand why some very some Christian groups who are supposed to be anti-Semitic at a certain time will become in favor of Israel. And, and you will not understand the, re, the relationship or the opposition between uh, some political groups. Or, so, so my position was to understand, not to say why, but how in my country we can say that in certain places, in certain groups, in certain milieux, you have tendencies for, to more anti-Semitism. But also, also my work, I, I, I wanted to, to be very, not to be excessive. So my work is also to say, don't exaggerate. This is why also some people were not happy. Because I did not exaggerate, I think. Maybe I'm mistaken. Because it's about uh, we can make the critics of Israel. I think that we should make, like in philosophical terms, the intentionality of the critics. That means that when uh, two Israelis are discussing or criticizing Israel, the base and the intentionality of the critic is not the same when someone is outside, living in Paris or living in Johannesburg or living in New York, is making the critics of Israel. We should take into account 
the basis. You cannot take the gist of the hard critics that Israel people can say against the Israel government, against some Israel parties, that is the same element, the same argument. You can use this, and you cannot use this argument in Paris like for free. No. We, are, we should take into account something that philosophical intentionality in the critics. That is my first point. Secondly, I think that Levinas uh, give us uh, some attitudes concerning Israel. Now, my first question is about Bofagliaro. Uh, 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 mainly Fogda. You see that so you don't uh, like the term of Gideophobia. Uh, uh, okay. And you see, because uh, it's not uh, clear the direct aspect. But can we say that the phobia, like today in France, people write about negrophobia, arabophobia, judeophobia? Can one ask the question, the phobia which becomes like a common place in, it is not the terrors, that means the, the really hands or accomplishment or fulfillment of uh, the modernity itself. If there is no year, something that uh, the political thinker of enlightenment are now succeeding, that means that our modern society now is what the enlightenment thinker wants it to be. Ops and other And another question is uh, linking to those record uh, children for immigrant uh, source. Can, as a sociologue, if you take uh, a child who was born in New York or in Israel, and from his daylight and at age of 20 or 18, can you consider him like an uh, Israeli guy, or you consider him according to uh, his uh, uh, Russian source? The concept or the terms of uh, immigrants from uh, young from uh, immigrant origins, but can, if I take the example, you take someone whose parents come from Russia, and this, this guy was born in Israel, mm -hmm. and he grew up in Israel, should you go on speaking about his origin, or you consider this guy, his children, like uh, Israel people child? So in other way, when you speaking about the origin of these children who are 18 years old, 20 years old, who are born in France. They don't have any kind of uh, feelings. They don't know what is Abidjan. They don't know what is Uganda. They don't know what is Maro. Even they, can you consider themselves like French or you remain consider the student in vocabulary like uh, children or immigrant children? That is uh, my question. And the last question, maybe, uh, no, no, it's for the last one. <laughs> the last question is that you answered a little, is this uh, length made in the analysis of anti-Semitic 
between the extremes. Like if we were going to forget the roots of anti-Europeans and uh, anti-Semitism, like uh, something which is permanent, when people just focus on extreme left and extreme right. Now, the second lecture will begin. <laughs> so, I am not sure I can answer to all your points, but first point. I am a sociologist. I am also a citizen. I have, of course, several identities. But I try to speak as a sociologist or as a social scientist. And as a sociologist, I understand, you like it or you don't like it, but I understand that when the Jews in France, through their establishment, through their uh, institutions, then when they say officially we support totally whatever happens, what the government of Israel is doing, I understand that this creates among some people the feeling that Jews don't want to criticize Israel, which means that they are totally uh, uh, in agreement with the state. I, I, I don't have a, a, a philosophical uh, opinion. It's not my philosophy to say we should, uh, we should or we should not be different when we are in and when we are out. No, it's just what I observe. What I observe is this, it's that the, criti the criticism, what I heard, is that the, uh, I heard many times young Muslim or young Arabs saying, well, the, the president of the Chris, this is Jewish organization, has said that he is supporting Sharon even after that, such or such awful thing. This is what I hear. So I take it as an element in the problem. You can like it or not like it, but I take it as an element. On your second point, the notion of phobia. Well, I, of course you can say that modernity uh, includes maybe the, uh, difficulties to define alterity and, and uh, you can uh, and then uh, notion, the notion of phobia but if I, I am, if I am listening to what people say about Jews there are not only elements of phobia there are not only this, this can appear but not only so this is why the world is, is reducing is reducing the feelings towards Jews to a kind of psychological or uh, problem, so, even if it is an historical psychological problem. I don't think this is the only uh, way to define uh, the, the problem. Then I fully agree with your third point. When you have to, to uh, we should stop every five words to define the words that we are using. I said, a f uh, I tried to, to tell you that antisemitism is a difficult word to use, but migrants and the way we speak in France, les migrants issus de l'immigration, migrants coming from uh, immigration, and so on, young people, immigration, young people coming from immigration. Of course, this is not a good vocabulary. I fully accept with you, but there is a moment when uh, you can consider that people understand what you mean, which kind of people you are speaking about. But you're right, I should be more so. And uh, if we were entering in this, this debate about who is this young guy coming born here and living there and so on, it's very difficult. And there are books and books, even if you just take the problem of the Jewish identity, just take this problem. There is a very famous 
letter which was sent by Ben Gurion, President Ben Gurion, to 50 important uh, Jewish uh, uh, rabbis, intellectuals, and all over the world, asking them, tell me what is it, what it is, what is the Jewish identity? And the answers, of course, the rabbis say, more, say all more or less the same thing, but people who are not rabbis have different uh, ways to answer. So it's, it's a huge issue, I fully agree with. Um, so your, uh, your last point was? Well, what I tried to say, what I tried to say, and it is coming back to the previous question, is that my, my image of this problem is that there is a classical anti-Semitism with the roots that you are saying, on the one hand, and that through a certain number of so, so, social processes and world processes, things are changing and new elements are appearing. The Shoah, before the Shoah, you don't are anti-Semitic like after the Shoah. For instance, you introduce Shoah business or negationism and things like that. Uh, uh, before and after the birth of the State of Israel, you don't have the same discord. You have new elements, new actors, new groups, and so it's not only the same. It's not pure reproduction coming from, uh, from the past, even if elements from the past, of course, uh, uh, exist, this is sure. Yeah, I would like to, uh, in defense of Michel Morgan, the book uh, has been uh, worked upon by me and by other researchers, I would like to say that, I mean, Israel and all these problems are not the essential topic of the book. It's one part of the book and it's a small part. And he has done a beautiful job, you know, and we have done with him a beautiful job of seeing how the anti-Semitism, you know, evolved in different institutions, school, university, prison, small towns, and so on. So that, I mean, the book in, in itself is uh, very rich. Uh, and uh, of course, as out of intellectual integrity, you know, uh, he focuses on this topic of Israel and so on, that the major, I mean, uh, subject of the book is not at all that part. Uh, since he's talking about the difficulty of Some 